Last week, we heard about God shaking the nations. We heard that God warns and judges. We heard an explanation of what's going on around us uh, as the world is being shaken up. But also last week, just a, a couple of days after actually preaching that message, I read an article, an article saying that churches that are talking about judgment, churches that uh, have that sort of message, oh, they've got it all wrong. They're just giving the wrong idea about coronavirus because they're being so unloving. Fancy talking about judgment and God warning you ought to be talking about love. Well, I insist that article's wrong. Actually, it's unloving not to warn people. And yet, it must be admitted that it can seem there are two types of churches. Those that that are really into being faithful to the Bible's message, those that are into getting our doctrine right, and those that are loving and caring, those that are into being loving to people. And it can seem that those are two different types of churches. You don't get them together in one. But there's no way that that should be the case. Because the better we know the Bible's message, the more loving and caring we should be. And I want to show that this evening. So while last week was a response to coronavirus, God is shaking us up. This week is also a response to coronavirus. We must love one another. And we get that from John chapter 13. Let's turn to John's gospel, chapter 13 and verse 34. John 13 verse 34 says, a new command I give you, this is Jesus speaking, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. It's a verse about loving one another. Jesus was speaking to his disciples. So it's about Christians loving each other. It's about love within the church. Now, in the coronavirus situation, it may seem more suitable to talk about loving our neighbours. And of course, there are plenty of places in the Bible that tell us about loving our neighbours. But I think there are few places as good as John chapter 13 for telling us what our love should be like. And I reckon if we get this love in John chapter 13 for our fellow Christian, then we'll also get what love for our neighbour should be like. In fact, I think we need this John 13 love before we can manage any other sort of love, because this is true love and this gets to our hearts. So that's what we're going to be looking at this evening and hearing about. Now, first of all, I've got something to admit I'm hoping in the next few weeks, many of you will catch me out. I, I'm hoping that you'll find out that some of this sermon has come from a book written by someone else. I don't usually get a lot of my material from other people's books, but I have done this time. And I'm hoping you'll find out because I'm hoping that you'll read this book. It's called Impossible Commands by John T. Alcock. If you're part of Hollywell, don't rush out and buy it or rush online and buy it because we're getting a load of these through for you. Not so we can make money out of you. They'll be at a discount price. But because I reckon this is a really good book, Impossible Commands by John T. Alcock. And he has a chapter on love one another, which I thought was really helpful. 
And there wouldn't be any point me thinking, well, I'd better change it and it won't be as good because I'm not as good as him, but I'd better change it so it's not the same. That would be pointless. My job is not to be original. My job is to glorify God by bringing his word to you. And if someone else has been helpful, well, I'll make use of that help. Let's get back to a better book, the Bible. John chapter 13, verse 34. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. Well, let's see how Jesus has loved us by going through the account of his love at the start of the chapter. We'll see that Jesus love tells us to, first of all, love freely. This is verses one to four, love freely. Verse one, it was just before the Passover feast. And this was a Passover with a sting for Jesus He was going to be crucified and he knew it. He was going to be betrayed and he knew it. He was going to be abandoned by God and men and he knew it. But instead of curling up in a corner full of self-pity and introspection, here is Jesus serving the people who would abandon him. How could he do that? The answer is in verse 3. Verse three, Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. As well as knowing what would happen to him, Jesus knew who he was. He had absolute security knowing how loved by the father he was. Absolute security knowing his place in God's family and God's kingdom. And that absolute security meant that verse four could start. So do you see it there in verse four? So. So he got up and did the lowest servant's job. Now, we might we might think, how can he know he's the greatest and then do the lowest thing, the most humiliating thing? We might think maybe it should say he knew how great he was, secure in the father's love. But he got down and did the servant's lowest job. But no, it doesn't say but. It says so. He knew how great he was, so he stooped down and served. And it's this absolute security, knowing who he was, knowing his place in God's sight and God's family, that meant he could love freely and fully. He didn't need to prove himself. He didn't need anyone's approval. He didn't need to enhance his reputation. He didn't need to strengthen his position. He could love freely without any need to think, but what's in it for me? And we need that. We need that. So often we're not loving freely. We're doing things looking for payback. Now you might think, how am I looking for payback? You're probably not doing your neighbour's shopping looking for literal payback. Come on, pay me my petrol expenses. You're probably not even doing it thinking, now they owe me one. They better do the shopping for me next time. But we so often are looking for this sort of payback. They should recognise how I've put myself out. They should appreciate me. They should think well of me. And if you think about it, that isn't love for them. That's 
That's concern for self. That's trying to build up self-image. That isn't giving freely out of love. That's getting something for self. When you recognise how much that is in us, how deep it is, how it creeps out into so many areas, well, then you see why this is called impossible commands. When you hear love one another, it doesn't sound that impossible, does it? Until you see what love like Jesus is like. It's an impossible command. And the answer to that problem is the absolute security that Jesus had. Because we can have it too. The gospel is so amazing. It tells you what a sinner you are, how undeserving you are. It, it, tell, it pushes you down with a sense of unworthiness and then it lifts you up. It lifts you up and it says, turn to God for forgiveness and for mercy. And then you can have this love, this security, this knowing your place in God's family and his kingdom. It says you can know you are loved by God and you are just as accepted by God as Jesus is. You can know that God looks at you and says what he says about Jesus. This is my dearly loved son with whom I am well pleased. The gospel's amazing. It, it pushes you down and says you've got no place for pride. And it lifts you up and says you've got no place for insecurity. Do you know, if you're not trusting in the Lord Jesus, you are missing out on the most amazing gift. But you don't need to miss out. No, you can you can trust in Jesus now. You can go to him now. You can ask him for that now. Jesus says love as he has loved. And first of all, that means love freely. But secondly, it means love humbly. This is verse four and five. Love humbly. Children, have you ridden on a train? I'm sure you have. Now, imagine you're on a train and maybe you're riding with your friends and it's a very crowded carriage and there's only one set of seats free. It's one of those sets where you've got two seats and a table in between. Well, that's nice. You and your friends can sit around the table. You'd like to make use of the table. But oh, someone's left a load of old McDonald's wrappers. On it. And there's, there's some chips and ketchup and half a Big Mac in some yucky mess. And you'd like to use the table, but none of you or your friends feel like moving it. And each of you thinks that's a bit beneath me to carry that off to the bin. So you just put up with it. And then you see coming down the carriage, someone with a big bin bag. Oh, that's good. You think, that's a bit strange. It's an elderly lady with a bin bag collecting litter. And she gets nearer and she, you think, she looks familiar. And then she comes up to your table and this short elderly lady with grey curly hair and a very recognisable face that you're sure you've seen on the news and even on postage stamps comes to your table. And she scoops that disgusting rubbish into her bin bag and she gives the table a quick spray and, she, and a good wipe and she moves on to the next table. Do you know who she looked like? She looked like Queen Elizabeth. No, it couldn't be, could it? It couldn't be Queen Elizabeth. She doesn't ride in ordinary trains, let alone pick up the litter. Well, that's nothing compared with this, John chapter 13. Here is the King of Heaven and he's come down to earth. 
and he's spending his time with a group of nobodies and he's serving people who don't even recognize who he is and he gets on their knees on his knees he gets on his knees and washes their feet their feet dusty dirty smelly feet it's a picture of jesus loving us with all our moral filth our sin uh, that those nasty attitudes it's a picture of jesus loving such people he loves the unlovely we love the lovely we love the attractive we love the people and the things that we get something from in return but jesus love reaches down it doesn't start with something in us that's lovely it starts with something in him he doesn't love us because we're nice to be with he loves simply because he is lovely loving and that's love we need to receive that's attractive love isn't it and we need it but it's also love that we should give so let's be practical here we are in lockdown who would be helped by you phoning or by you having a zoom chat with or by you turning up and talking on their doorstep or by you offering to do some job like getting the shopping I'm off to Tesco. Can I get anything for you? Don't think about whether you'll enjoy their conversation or be bored by it. Don't think about whether you like them or find them irritating. Don't think about whether other people will be aware of what you're doing or it could even go on social media. Don't think of whether you've got more important things to do than to go round that one-way system in Tesco to get a can of dog food for their yapping mutt. Think about whether this will be christ-like love love one another jesus says as i have loved you and that means thirdly love riskily verses six to eight love riskily now it's tempting if you know this story of jesus washing the disciples feet to sentimentalize it it all sounds so warm and nice but i don't reckon it was i reckon it was very awkward um, here's Callum here I, I was going to say imagine I was to wash his uh, shoes but he hasn't got any shoes on he's got bare feet already so let, let's get Callum up here no we won't really stay there <laughs> we won't do this but I was going to say imagine we got him up here and uh, I was to start washing his feet would that be a nice warm moment would you watching on at home think oh what a nice warm moment no it'd be really awkward <laughs> so awkward and unsurprisingly, it's big mouth Peter who expresses that. Verse six. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? No, you're not going to wash my feet. This is inappropriate. This is beneath you. No, this is awkward. But Jesus took the risk of the awkwardness. He took the initiative. He moved towards them he went across the room to them he took the risk of them pushing him away as peter tried to do and said no this is too awkward this isn't right loving like jesus means taking the risk the initiative moving towards others now there are plenties of opportunities for this in church life at least normally 
So imagine we're all back meeting at church. I hope that will happen again sometime soon. And after church, there's a group of young people enjoying each other's company, having a chat. And there's an older man on his own reading the notice board. Well, wouldn't it be good if one of the younger people went over and spoke to him? There's a, there's a risk of awkwardness there. There's a risk of getting caught having to listen for a long time there. But there's also an opportunity to show love like Jesus. Take the initiative. Young people, when we're back, will you do that? Or let's reverse the situation. Wouldn't it be good if the older person went to that group of younger people? Now there's a bit of a risk of awkwardness. You might think, what will those young people think of you? But there's also a chance to show love by taking an interest. Maybe giving some spiritual input. Or you say, that could be awkward. What will they think of me trying to say something to them? Ah, but there's a chance to do some good. Show Christ-like love. Will you be like Jesus? Take the risk and do that. Now, I know we're not able to do that at the moment because we're not meeting. But actually, quite a bit of that can be done by picking up the phone. Take the initiative. Cross the boundary. Let's take that right across the boundary out of church. Now, I know verse 34 is about fellow Christians loving each other, but it fits with Jesus who told the story of the Good Samaritan to apply this also to loving your neighbour or relative who's an unbeliever. So will you take the initiative? Stick your neck out. Tell them about the live streaming in case they want to listen to it. Offer them that gospel leaflet and say, I'm not very good at explaining this, but this tells you something about the reasons I've got for hope and confidence, even though we're in such trouble. There's a risk there. There's potential awkwardness. But there's an opportunity for Christ-like love. Jesus said, we're to love as he loved. And that means fourthly and lastly, love completely. Love completely. Now, what did Jesus do that Thursday evening? Oh, you say, he washed their feet. Yes, but what did he actually do? Well, verse four says he got up. He took off his outer clothing. He wrapped a towel around his waist. This is, they would be familiar with it, the way that a servant was dressed. Verse five says he poured water into a basin. He began to wash his disciples' feet. He didn't say, OK, now you've got the idea. I've done my bit. I'll leave you to dry them. No. Verse five. He dried their feet with the towel that was wrapped around him. And verse 12. He did it completely for all of them, even Judas, who would betray him. He did it completely. There's no token effort here. There's no doing the bare minimum. There's no, I expect you've got the point now, I'll leave you to finish it. He does all that is needed. This is generous, complete love. This is love to the maximum. And of course, it, it's just a picture, really, of a far greater, generous, complete love to the maximum he's about to do. That very night, in fact, he's going to die on a cross. He's going to die on a cross to wash us clean of all of our filth, our moral filth, our sin, our rebellion, our shame. 
And he's not going to do a bit and then say, I expect you've got the point. Now follow my example and complete the job. Now finish off dealing with your sin yourself. No, he's going to hang there until he can say his final words. It is finished. I hope in everything you've heard this evening, you are seeing here's the love you need. And it's offered to you. It's offered to you just to admit to God you need this love. To admit that you are unlovely and in need of cleaning. And to ask him to give it to you. Not because you've read your Bible regularly. Not because you've done your bit. But because Jesus has done it all. But Christian brothers and sisters, remember again verse 34. As well as being the love that saves us, this is the love we are to follow. Now we are saved, this is the love that we're to carry out. Love as I have loved you, completely to the max. Uh, now I'm going to quote another book, so you'll, you'll get the impression I haven't got an original thought in my head, I just get it all out of books. But there's another book called The Everyday Gospel, a theology of washing the dishes. That sounds very pretentious. How can you have a theology of washing the dishes? It's actually a very good little book um, because it's about glorifying God in the little everyday tasks. And it says, how can you spot a legalist washing the dishes? In other words, a person who's trying to get right by law keeping. How can you spot such a person washing the dishes? What a question. Well, the legalist washes the dishes like this. He does some and then he thinks, I think I've done enough now. I've done my bit. I'll leave these ones to soak. I'll leave these ones to soak. I've done enough. And I've done more than those people. I can get away with leaving these bits to soak. That's yeah, a good excuse, isn't it? Leaving things to soak. Then the next person can do it. And you at least look like you've done your bits. That's stuck in my mind because I have to admit I've done that many times. But real love doesn't say, I've done my bit. Real love doesn't say, how much must I do? Real love says, how far can I go? It's interesting, actually, that uh, is a comment on our heart that we tend to say, how far can I go about sin? You know, the classic girlfriend and boyfriend about getting physical. How far can I go? We say, how far can I go about sin? But love says, how far can I go to help? How far can I go to support? How far can I go to put myself out for him, for her? Now, it seems that it seems obvious that COVID-19 is going to cause big financial hardship here and around the world. It already has. And token effort love gives a bit that doesn't impinge on our, us and our lifestyle and then says, look, I've done my bit. But Christ-like love says, how far can I go? To help this big need. Token effort love says, yeah, I spoke to my neighbour a while ago. I've done my bit. Christ-like love says, what else could I do to help them? How far could I go? John T. Alcock, in his book on this, he, he says, uh, he's just described this maximum love. 
thinking about the maximum love you can show a person. Then he says, yeah, I must admit that can be rather overwhelming, thinking how far could I go? But it can also be exciting. Love as Jesus loved. It means loving freely. It means loving humbly. It means loving riskily. But it also means loving completely. Not perfectly. Not that we always do a wonderful job and we always get it brilliantly. But it does mean it's not just a token effort. We're trying to go as far as we can. Jesus said, love one another. As I have loved you, so you are to love one another. And I hope you've seen from Jesus' example what that love is like. What do you think of that standard? What do you think of that example? Easy? Manageable? Achievable? Or do you agree with John T. Alcock to put it in a book called Impossible Commands? It's impossible. But it's also good news. And you don't make it good news by lowering the standard. Jonty gives four steps, actually, that are very helpful. He says, first step, you must face it that you can't do this yourself. You cannot manage this on your own. And the first step towards it is facing up to that. The second step is to be sorry about that to God. His command is not unreasonable. It's not as if he says to us, jump over the Eiffel Tower and, and then punishes us for failing to do so. There's nothing wrong with his command. It's a good command. Love one another. But we're so turned in on self and we're so taken up with what other people think of us and what's in it for me. We need God's forgiveness for that. It's not that we have some physical inability to do the command. It's that we've got a heart turned inwards and unloving and we need forgiveness and we can have that forgiveness. Remember, because of Jesus' complete love. But then he gives a third step. And here's the good news. Because as well as forgiveness, God gives enabling to do this. When you read a command like this, that's such a high standard, is actually good news. Because it's telling you, as well as commanding this, God will give you what you need to do it. God will give you the Holy Spirit who gives power to obey this. So ask him. That's the third step. Ask God. You face up to your inability. You say sorry because it's a guilty inability. And you ask God to give you the ability to turn you outward from yourself. Well, I don't need to explain that more. Let's just do that now. Let's ask him now. Let's pray. Lord God, we're sorry we're so turned in on self. We're so often thinking, what's in it for me? What do other people think of me? How do I look as I do this? Oh, Father, it gets in everywhere. And we're sorry for that. We pray for forgiveness for such a, a rottenness at heart. And we pray you'd turn us outwards, that you'd make us love because you first loved us, that the Holy Spirit would pour out your love in our hearts and that then being secure in your love, knowing we're secure in such a great love, a complete finished love of the Lord Jesus, that that would transform us into loving people who love as Jesus loved. Please give that to us, we pray in Jesus name. Amen.
You may notice I said jaunting has four steps. And if you're on the ball, you may notice I've only said three. The fourth is a simple let's go. Let's go. Having prayed for God to give you that love, don't then just sit back and wait around for a loving feeling to come over you one day. That's a total misunderstanding of what love is. It's not a feeling to come over you. It's an action to do for others. So having prayed, let's trust God to answer. And let's get on and do it. Verse 17 Jesus said, verse 17, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Not blessed if you remember the sermon, not blessed if you understand chapter 13, not blessed if you can have a good discussion about it. Oh, that's great. But you will be blessed if you do it.